Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Delete. This one is a very special episode. It's a slightly different episode as well. I don't just have one guest this week. But this episode was recorded at the Queen's Young Leader Ceremony from Buckingham Palace. It was a magical evening on many, many levels. Um, I got to meet the Queen. I got to meet more of the Queen's young leaders and watch them receive their awards in a really special ceremony. It's a real honour to attend the final ever Queen's Young Leader Award ceremony and celebrate the amazing work of these young people all over the Commonwealth doing incredible things for their communities, tackling a huge range of issues from climate change to mental health stigma to gender-based violence to... Uh, the refugee crises uh, all over the world. And they really show just how important young people are and how much young people can get behind things and really start changing things from a very early age. I was part of the Queen's Young Leaders campaign and initiative this year. I did a podcast workshop with the Queen's Young Leaders and we discussed ideas, how we can get our voices out there, how we can reach more people and how to uh, make a podcast and get it get it up and online and how to edit it and market it and all of that stuff. So that was amazing. So this episode I'm going to introduce you to three of the Queen's Young Leaders. Uh, in the beginning of this episode I had some time with them which was really special and then in the later part of the episode, I'm going to insert some clips that I recorded from Buckingham Palace itself on the evening of the ceremony. So I hope you enjoy this episode and the sound bites from all of these very inspiring people. Please do share this episode with your friends and raise awareness for the Queen's Young Leaders and all of the amazing work that they've been doing over the past however many years. First up, here's Sipo Setu from South Africa. She's been developing new ways to end the stigma of albinism in South Africa. Hi, uh, my name is Sipo Setu Mbuli. I am from South Africa. I'm 24 years old and I work in albinism awareness and education in South Africa. So I work with young people who have albinism in the country and I'm working to empower them because most of them grew up in communities where the communities itself have a lot of stigma around albinism. And that comes from a lot, um, a lack of uh, information and lack of education around the condition. Um, and they grow up having very low self-esteem. Um, and they don't know anyone else with albinism in the community who they can relate to. So I started sharing my own experiences because I was doing... Um, campus radio at the time and I started having the conversations around my own experiences with the stigma and my own uh, self-esteem growing up with albinism and it grew from that um, and wanting to connect with other young people who may have felt the same way. Uh, so from that, we started an online series where we talk to influential South Africans who have albinism about their own experiences in the media industry um, and how they sort of work through, uh, have worked through some of the issues that they had growing up as well. So we use that as a teaching tool to our learners, but also to educate people in South Africa about the condition. I've met wonderful young people, even the Queen's Young Leaders, learning a lot from what they do and how I can take away from what they're doing to implement in my own work. I was having a conversation actually with the four young ladies. Um, we were doing a podcast uh, session earlier on um, and we were talking about feminism and how 
um, we use our own voices to empower women through the work that we do. And it, it's so wonderful to see how we that small message, you know, can come through to, to the individual work that we're doing in different parts of the world. So things like that have really inspired me, but I haven't really sat down to reflect honestly about how big of a platform and how big of a deal this has been because it really is uh, an, an amazing experience and I think I won't get it until I go back home and sit down for, for like a week. I hope, the one thing that I hope changes within my lifetime is, it's a simple thing, but I, I yeah, to be honest, I don't get why it's such a huge deal, especially in African communities about treating people with different, some, someone who looks different than you, being treated subhuman because you are different from whatever um, the norm is within that space and that happens a lot with albinism because you are hyper visible and you are different then people use that difference against you Um, and in my lifetime I hope albinism is a normal part of the human experience um, and not just uh, you know uh, something that people mysticize and treat treat people differently because of that. Harry Pinder is from the UK. He promotes the rights of women and girls through education, and he is the co-founder of Youth for Change, which is a global youth-led organisation that works in partnership with governments to tackle gender-based violence. The main aim of Youth for Change is to eradicate early forced marriage and female genital mutilation. Hi, I'm Harry Pinder from the United Kingdom. Um, I've got the Queen's Young Leader Award this year because of my um, involvement in gender issues. So um, about four years ago, I started this the Global Youth Advocacy um, Organization called Youth for Change. And essentially, we're about authentic youth engagement and using that youth experience to write policy, so specifically on gender issues, so gender-based violence, um, that being female genital mutilation and early forced marriage is what we started on. But actually, we sort of expanded, and now we're working on consent and different things. And I guess what I love about the award is is that you know it doesn't just honor what you've done before but it honors what you're sort of projected to do so I unfortunately turned 25 well not unfortunately in July and um, and so I'm actually starting a new project as a result so um, we wanted to keep youth for change very authentic very youth focused so um, and so my new project is actually focusing on uh, changing the societal narrative of black men and success um, and I guess that is by celebrating 365 black male role models across the year and across different sectors and I guess showing and going against the societal narrative that I guess we can only be rappers or footballers or go down the sort of criminal justice route. I was in quite a tough school in Croydon and and I remember we had religious studies which we always used to be in but obviously religious studies were where you slept and where you sort of catch up with your friends some of the gossip or in some instances just didn't even turn up and uh, we had a there was a curriculum change around it and we actually had citizenship introduced and we had a really great new teacher who was you know full of ideas and I remember I walked into the class one day and there was a phrase on the board and it said if you were a different religion would you be the same person and it was that moment that I got to sort of think. Um, I was allowed the opportunity for my, I guess, uh, my 
my views to be listened to and my views to be expressed and and actually debate happened and it was great because I started to see that well actually I'm not here to just you know do algebra or or do something that I can recite I was allowed and able and to have my own opinions about things and I think that's where it changed um, and also I think and that's part of the reason I'm doing my project is when I was 16 I was really academic really good at basketball and everyone was like go and play basketball because that's what black boys do you know that that was the overwhelming sort of message that I got particularly from teachers not necessarily my mom or my church but you know that was the sort of message that I was given especially in an educational institution like my school and unfortunately I you know no sorry unfortunately I didn't think I was good enough which is great <laughs> because I don't think I was uh, but actually um, I did decide to you know choose this career path I think I think there were quite a few precursors that happened for me to then but I think the most poignant moment was then when I realized that actually I, I'm allowed to think I'm allowed to learn rather than just recite information and I think teachers are really important. Um, you know, I, I definitely don't have the patience to be a teacher myself, but I think just giving that sense of hope and understanding of, you know, actually I do value, you're good, um, you're good at this. And, and I think for me particularly, it was prominent because of the school that we went to. And, and I guess, you know, it, was, it wasn't a coincidence that after that, and we, you know, you know, I ended up doing a whole bunch of other things just simply because, you know, in some senses I got to think and I realised, oh, well, I don't just have to, have education in these four walls. I started watching the news. I have conversation with her about you know like as an example, we, we all got to school. Our citizenship class all got to school early the day that Barack Obama was was sort of given presidency. We all watched it. I'd seen someone who'd been able to do it. Alexia is from New Zealand. She is inspiring young women in New Zealand to become leaders in the fields of science, technology, engineering, and maths, also known as STEM. My name's Alexia and I am a 2018 Queensland leader from New Zealand. So I started Girl Boss New Zealand at 16 and I'm 19 years old now and work full-time in the organisation, which is fantastic, uh, and work with a great team. I actually hire my mum, which is pretty awesome, <laughs> and my auntie actually, she works part-time for us as well. We've got 8,000 members in our core network and we reach tens of thousands of young women each year through mentoring, workshops and conferences. What spurred me to start Girl Boss New Zealand was really the isolation that I felt personally. So when I was in high school, I was the only girl in my IT class. I was the only girl studying advanced physics. And so at 16, I really saw that there was such a lack of support for young women who shared these passions. And I started to question whether going into an entrepreneurial path or going into a technology path was the right path for me to take. And so I set up, um, I thought I'd do a conference, just a simple conference for 100 young women from across uh, Auckland, New Zealand. And it was absolutely incredible. So we had, uh, in the end, the tickets sold out um, very quickly. Then we put more tickets on and then more tickets on. And in the end, we had uh, 350 young women attend uh, across two days. So uh, we had the Prime Minister there, we had 27 speakers, incredible, incredible traction. And that just really showed to me, this is something that young women are looking for. Uh, and this is something that needs to be continued. And so from there I thought, let's set up a network for these young women so that they can actually connect with each other and we can really start creating a movement within New Zealand. My vision is really around changing some of the leadership stats that we're seeing. So if we look at the S&P 1500, for example, which are the top 1500 CEOs in the world, we're seeing that there's more top CEOs named John than CEOs who are women. 
uh, actually it was it was quite funny as part of the Queen's Young Leader program. I, I love telling people that stat because even though we're pretty woke, we know about these stats. A lot of people still believe that the fight is over, that women are represented. And so when they hear this, it actually forces them to to question, actually maybe some work still needs to be done. I actually said it to uh, one of your... Because we meet so many fantastic um, people through this program. We're going to meet like David Beckham, we've met Jamie Oliver, we've like all the cool people. We get to meet, we get to meet the Queen, we get to meet Meghan Markle, Prince Harry. But we also met one of your former Prime Ministers, John Major. Major, Yeah. And... I mean, we talk to them so much. And so you kind of forget. You're like not really sure who you're talking to because everyone's important in the room. And so I told him that stat that I didn't realize. I forgot. I wasn't too afterwards. I clicked, oh, his name was actually John. <laughs> it was quite funny. So anyway, now John, he did, I, don't think he, I don't know if he knew that one. We just had lunch with Jamie Oliver a few days ago and he stood up and he spoke to us and he said, you are always going to be someone who cares. You're never going to be someone who's going to be able to sit in a beach with millions of dollars in your bank account drinking mojitos, you're always going to be someone that cares and has to create change. And I've, I, I've been the same um, my whole life, he was saying. And, you know, sometimes you've just got to make peace with it and realise that actually this is how I'm going to commit my life. And, and actually I can't sit there and be comfortable just working, um, you know, a standard life and, and, and really always will be a core part of what I'm doing is how can I create change. And it's just around I feel almost uncomfortable. I feel... Um, I feel like I need to be doing something to create a better word. And I think it's just once people are aware of the injustices that so many people face, then that's when we'll start to see that movement and we'll start to see people questioning, you know, society, yeah. So here are some bits recorded from Buckingham Palace in the green drawing room, which was an incredible room. And it was the night of the awards. Everyone was very excited. The awards celebrate the remarkable work from all people all over the Commonwealth transforming lives in their communities. This year's group of award winners were from 38 Commonwealth countries and they worked across a wide range of issues from climate change to food scarcity to gender-based violence to access to education and it's in its fourth and final year so tonight was really really special and the program has created a very powerful network of 240 award winners who have incredible leadership potential and passion to make the world a better place. So I'm with the amazing Nicola Adams. It's so amazing to meet you. I've read so much about you, seen you in the media, doing your thing and um, being really inspirational yourself. Um, but what brings you here today supporting the Queen's Young Leaders? Oh, it's an exciting uh, opportunity for me today to be, to be here. Um, very inspiring as well, seeing what the, the young leaders have, have been doing and, and how hard they've been working, how passionate they've been and, and dedicated as well to, to the work that they're doing. Um, I was speaking to Hunter during the, the the man cave as well, and how he how he started out and um, what got him motivated and and um, into creating um, the man cave, and he was telling me about the um, the level of suicide um, there was, and just being able to have a safe space for the guys to go to to talk about their feelings and and to for them to feel safe, and I'm, I'm just like I'm I'm just really blown away and inspired by the the work that they're all doing.
So I'm here with the amazing Leanne. We met on Sunday. Yes, we did. And now it's Tuesday and <laughs> we've both just met the Queen. You've just had an award from yeah. the Queen. So would you be able to tell me a little bit more about your initiative? And it's a personal one to you as well, it isn't is. it? Because you are a medic. Exactly. Uh, where did it come from and, and what, have, what have you done so yeah. far? So I grew up in, um, well, I describe it as coming from an underrepresented background. So I come from a low socioeconomic background and an ethnic minority. When I was 15 years old, I decided that I wanted to become a trauma surgeon and that was because I was coming home one day and I heard a helicopter which isn't something you commonly hear so close by to you and um, it had basically landed on a grass field in the middle of a big estate close to where I live and when I went there there were people crowded around and I asked what's happened and someone told me a young man has been stabbed and at that moment I remember feeling so many different emotions I felt angry because I was looking around thinking everybody's just here watching but who's actually going to try to do something I then felt a sense of disempowerment because I thought I want to be a doctor what exactly can I do and I also felt a sense of grief because you know there are two casualties here one who potentially has lost their life and another who's probably going to go to prison for life if the other young man is dead so I went home that evening and I was just meditating and praying and thinking, what can I do? And then the idea came to me that if I aspire to become a trauma surgeon, that would give me a platform to go into environments where young men are victims of this kind of stuff and try to inspire them to be and do better. So because it was such an emotive and powerful event, it really um, sowed a deep seed inside of me. So coming from a family of no medics, my mother had five children and only one other went to university. I had no father figure in my life. And so I didn't really have the kind of guidance and support that most medical students would have so I googled on the internet what I would need to do and then I realized that um, getting really good GCSEs was the first step so I set myself the goal of 10 A stars worked at it with everything inside of me and then I achieved that and then I managed to get a bursary to go to boarding school, um, got rejected from medical the first time round, reapplied and got in. However, even though I had a lot of support along my journey, I still struggled. I struggled with self-belief. I had a superficial understanding of what it meant to be a doctor. And when I went to medical school and looked around me, I realised that there's a massive lack of diversity. I've done some research. The British Medical Association produced a report in 2015 which highlighted that across the UK... Um, in more than 50% of the schools across the UK they are producing not one medical applicant and as well as that within UK medical schools less than 5% of students come from the most disadvantaged backgrounds so I, I believe that I could do something to make a change so I set up my Leanne Mesa Medics programme which got registered um, last last month as a charity and we're having our charity launch on Friday so if you're free on Friday evening come along Emma <laughs> we'd love to have you Professor Lord Cake is going to be our um, keynote speaker Hi, Hi, lovely to meet you. Congratulations on getting an award from the Queen. Thank you so much. How was that? It's been phenomenal. I still can't believe it. Your work is amazing, what you've been doing. Um, obviously, tonight is about celebrating it, and it's all very fancy, but the work you do, it must be hard work and very challenging. Would you mind just explaining, just kind of in a nutshell, for people that might not know what it is you're doing and the impact it's made? Yeah, so mainly I work with... Um, technology for good that's why I call it so we apply it in different ways and one of the ways I do that is by actually uh, I co-founded a social enterprise that provides 3D printed prosthetics to war amputees so we basically take engineering application and design you definitely need the entrepreneurial mindset is that you actually discover a problem and you see that there is a need and there's a problem and there's a lack or a gap in the market and that's when you decide that you need to leverage all the resources you have and all the experiences and the skill to actually go and build something that does not exist or to fill in the gap. The biggest myth 
ideology about is that refugees are lazy. Refugees, you know, they just want to benefit from what other countries that want that kind of give them that, you know, I guess asylum when they look for it. Is that they just want to benefit from everything, but they have packed more than just clothes when they move to other countries. They packed experiences, skills, history, memory, and things that could meaningfully impact the cultures and the communities they're moving into it. So they're bringing in a set of experiences, skills, and knowledge that does not even exist in some places. So I think we need to think of them as a human beings who went through experiences in life, and they could actually help the communities that we live in, rather than just, you know, they're going to depend on the system and just not do anything. Okay, so I'm here with the amazing Kathleen, and um, not only do you have this um, multi-million people platform, but you're actually doing really good stuff with it. So, what have you been doing as part of this Queensland Leaders? I was actually really surprised to be invited back. I was here last year um, with the 2017 winners. Uh, because I was working with them in South Africa on promoting the Queen's Young Leaders on YouTube and um, just finding out what they're doing and I got very involved with some of their work. So when they invited me back I was just shocked to hear that they had even figured out that I was doing that because we were just doing it privately. Um, So I guess they they invited me back, they said you also want to do a tour on London for the 2018 winners. I said yes, which I mean... I'm glad I did it, but once I was on the bus, I was like, why did I Why did I agree to be a tour guide? I know absolutely nothing. I'm originally from South Africa. I moved here like a few years ago. Um, but I learned a lot about London. And uh, yeah, it was just really nice to sit down with the leaders and just hear all of the different diverse projects that they're working on. Everything's so different. And there's some really, really smart people in this room who are going to actually lead the world one day. It's actually quite mind-blowing. You know, you hear about all these people applying to Love Island. Do you know how many people want to be a Harvard mechanical engineer? And they don't get as much attention as they deserve. Like, it's just the, the, I mean, the social media as we know it, and I'm a part of it too. And it's all about like you know drama, and uh, and you know it's 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 a bit disappointing that things like this aren't broadcasted more about. So I was excited to hopefully get involved and help help out as much as I can with that, um, and just meet some of these people and work with them with their projects going forward because this is just the beginning, I think. Yeah. This year's group of award winners were from 38 Commonwealth countries and they worked across a wide range of issues from climate change to food scarcity to gender-based violence to access to education and it's in its fourth and final year so tonight was really really special and the programme has created a very powerful network of 240 award winners who have incredible leadership potential and passion to make the world a better place. The Queen's Young Leaders Network is a lasting legacy to the Majesty of the Queen and they will connect, collaborate and continue and change lives for years to come.